All right, welcome back to the Lindroth Hockey Podcast. You're here with co-host, father and son duo, Andrew and Jim Lindroth. Dad, how are you today? Doing great. We have another coach here. Uh, why don't you give us the intro, Andrew? Yeah, so today we're happy to have with us Clay Van Dice with us. So he played at St. Norbert from 2015 to 2019, as well as the MJHL for several years before going to college. Um, was a defenseman and was looking to sign and play pro, but unfortunately due to some bad wrist injuries, he had to hang up the skates as a player early on after uh, graduating college, but immediately began coaching at his alma mater, um, St. Norbert, but for the women's team at the time. He then moved on, did a few years at Milwaukee School of Engineering as an assistant, and is now at his second year at Marion University as the head coach. So another head coach here today. We're excited to have him. Clay, how are you today, sir? Doing good, guys. Got back from a long bus trip last night after a win, so uh, feeling good today. Good. How long was the uh, bus trip? Uh, so we we had about four hours there from a different town. We played a weird week this week on Wednesday, and then uh, about three hours home last night. So pulled in around 1 a.m. and started breaking down the film right away and ready to go again tonight. Jeez. Nice. So you're breaking down film at 1 a.m.? Yep. Oh, yeah. Broke it down the whole bus ride home. Thank goodness for some Wi-Fi on the bus. And then uh, by the time we got home, I put the finishing touches on it for our film session today at practice. Look at that. Oh, pretty good. All right. So, Coach, we're going to talk about your playing days. So, correct me if I'm wrong, three out of four years, say Norbert, uh, you you win the Division Three championship. Um, you're familiar with the team because you also end up coaching there as well. Talk a little bit about your time and the uh, and your 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 play there. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, uh, after finishing my junior career, you know, kind of trying to find the right home and everything, and uh, St. Norbert ended up being the right fit. It had the academics I wanted, had the, you know, prestigious hockey program I wanted, uh, great campus, great location, and, you know, just ended up being a no-brainer and fell into the right place at the right time and uh, came in with a big class. There was about 12 of us in our freshman class that year and fortunate to go to the national championship our freshman year, lost in the championship, um, sophomore year, make it back to the frozen four, finally get that national championship ring our junior year, and then, uh, made the national tournament again, our senior year. So, you know, for us, it was a cool for our class of 12 to go through making four national tournaments, winning three conference championships, and then obviously getting national championship as well. It was, uh, it was a special place and definitely, definitely a lot of fun memories there. So before we go on, cause I do want to talk a little bit about the, the championships that you guys won too. Um, excuse me. Let's talk a little bit about where you played before um, you committed to uh, university. It was at the MJHL. We've been seeing a lot about we have guys come on that play at the AJHL. You've got the NAHL here. I mean, there's all these different leagues going on, but they're all starting to produce players that are making it, whether it's AHL, ESHL, but also the NHL. What can you tell us about your time there? Did you play with any, NA, any NHLers now? And what what is that league like? Yeah, you know, I think for me, I was uh, I was a little new to the hockey world. My dad's a college football coach. I grew up in Montana, not a big hockey hotbed. Uh, ended up moving up to Canada, going to Notre Dame prep school in Saskatchewan for my junior and senior year of high school. And at that point, didn't know really what juniors was um, and got this opportunity to go out to Portage, Manitoba and play there uh, and ended up having a great experience. You know, Manitoba League is phenomenal. A lot more local guys from the Manitoba area. I was one of the few Yankees on any of the teams. Um, but loved it up there. You know, very high end. We recruit out of that league now still. You know, fortunate to play with some great players. You know, my D partner, my 20-year-old year in Verdon was Zach Whitecloud. Just won a Stanley Cup with uh, Vegas Golden Knights. So, you know, definitely got to play with some high-end players. You know, Wyatt Kalinick came from there as well. He was a Wisconsin Badger, has had some stints in the NHL. And, um, you know, it's it's a high-end league. That All those Canadian junior leagues are, you know, those those tier two leagues you talk about with BC, the AJ, 
the SJ and the MJ, especially those four to the West, um, are all pretty high end. You know, that's uh, it was definitely eye opening for me of the level of hockey that's up there, and you know, had a blast playing with some of those guys and getting to be coached by you know Blake Spiller and Troy Leslie and some really some really high end coaches up there as well. So definitely definitely was uh, different for me than from my Montana days, but uh, yeah. it was a lot of fun and prepared me adequately for college. So now fast forward and going back to now the Division Three championships. You won three of them, I believe, uh, 2017, 18, 19, something like that. Three mm-hmm. in a row. Which which one was the most uh, prestigious one for you to win out of all three? What was the toughest? Who had the worst? Uh, who had the toughest matchups? Tell us which year was the best one and all that. Yeah, I mean, I think for us, like, you know, in our conference, getting to win the NCHA is huge. Um, so three conference championships is big. You know, we got to win it our freshman year. Again, unfortunately, that year was special for us with 12 freshmen. We were the youngest team in college hockey that year and made it all the way to the national title. Um, ended up losing to Stevens Point. But I think that one was special for us as a class because it was our, you know, welcome to the Division Three, welcome to college hockey. And to have the run that we had with such a young team was pretty special. Obviously, the junior year, though, I think is the one that stands out to me, you know, getting to actually finally get that ring, win the national championship our junior year. You know, it was a it was a unique situation where every class at St. Norbert from 2005 on had won a national championship at some point. Um, So that class was very big because we wanted to keep that streak going. So, you know, getting to win the national championship our junior year was very special. You know, it was it was not our most talented team. Uh, by no means, you know, I think we had some more talented teams while I was there, but I think that was the closest knit group that we had, you know, the best camaraderie we had in the locker room and the most buy-in and, um, you know, getting to finally get over that final hump of, yeah, we've won three conference championships. We've made it to four national tournaments, but finally getting to be the national champion and having the ring at the end of it was pretty special for us there. So we, we mentioned that you planned on, uh, to turn pro start to go to some camps, maybe get a contract. Uh, and then the, the the wrist injury, and I think you ended up having two surgeries, was it? Mm-hmm. Um, so the doctor's like, hey, I don't know about this. What specifically happened with the wrist, like medically? And then, of course, you end up um, assisting uh, with the uh, women's team at your university. So I'm sure that was an easy th- – how did that come about, even though I think we can – kind of gas you knew the yeah. <laughs> it was it was kind of interesting you know I had, I had had a pre-existing wrist injury I broke my uh, scaphoid in high school and never got it fixed I was one of the dumb kids that wanted to be tough tough through everything never got it looked at never got it fixed um, finally after my rookie year of juniors it started getting worse and worse finally went to a doctor um, and had to have surgery that year so between my first and second year of juniors had a surgery that year doctor told me this is just a temporary fix um, got a screw put in, rerouted some blood vessels, you know, all the, all the fun stuff with that was able to finish my junior career, get through all four years of college. Um, and then, yeah, had intentions of playing, you know, I had talked to a couple pro teams, had had a couple contracts offered to me and, um, went in just to get my physical and did a checkup with my doctor. I had, my wrist had been hurting, but I didn't know how bad it was. And, um, finally went in with, my surgeon that had done the first surgery and looked at x-rays, CT scans, and just kind of said, Clay, like there's, there's no way you can play. Um, and that was, that was a tough moment for me. You know, I had been working hard. I'd been training all summer after a year ended my senior year and had full intentions of playing. But, you know, at the end of the day, I had to take a deep breath and do some reflection on, is it worth fighting through this and maybe losing, you know, the ability to use my hand the rest of my life just to say I played pro for a year or, 
do I get this fixed and, uh, you know, have a good quality of life afterwards. So ended up having an eight and a half hour intense surgery, re, you know, a complete re wrist reconstruction, um, you know, bone from my hip, bone from my elbow, six plates, a uh, plate and six screws. So, um, ended up having a kind of a big situation of, you know, hockey careers over, not sure what I'm going to do next. And at that point, it was too late for me to go find jobs. You know, I was an education major. I was planning on being a teacher and the assistant coach at the time at St. Norbert on the men's side, AJ Aiken had just taken over as the women's head coach at the school. So he had coached me. I had, he had recruited me. He was a guy I played with and or played for. And he took over the women's side and said, Hey, how about you help me out for a year? This is new to me as well. Let's see if you, you know, let's get your foot in the door coaching. You don't have any plans for the year since it's already, you know, September and you just found out you're not playing. Let's see if we can do this together. So jumped on a hundred percent thinking it was just going to be a year. I'm just going to get a year and then figure out what steps next in life, go through the rest of what I want to do. Um, and ended up loving it, you know, love the women's side of the game, love the coaching aspect. I'd always wanted to be a coach. Um, so just ended up being, you know, right fit, right time, got through that first year. And it, uh, it was definitely eye opening though, of, you know, jumping in from as a young coach, I had just graduated. I had, you know, been at college with 80% of those girls that were on that team and having to transition to the coaching role. It was amazing. The respect they had for me and, um, you know, getting to do it with AJ, who's one of my mentors and was a coach of mine was a pretty special uh, opportunity for me. So, yeah, you you have the unknown now. You you said you're trying to figure out what you want to do in, in life now. So you do get into the coaching. You may find out you know what you're doing. And then all of a sudden, less than a year later, COVID hits, right? Dude, what's going through your mind then, especially when you guys are you're not having a job? As weeks and months go on, you realize, man, this could be for a long time. Maybe we can't play hockey for another year. Now what's going through your mind? What, did you think about, like, maybe I need to move on from coaching, do something else? Or were you just, I'm going to hang in there and then, you know, you end up where you're at? Yeah. It, I mean, it was kind of crazy. Again, I, I sign on for that second year to coach, you know, all in on the school. I'm going to coach the women's team. And then, you know, that summer COVID hits and we decide St. Norbert decided as an institution to not play. Um, so we were practicing every day with our, with our women, but we weren't going to play any games. We weren't going to have any contests. It was, you know, small practices, individual ice, all this stuff. And, you know, normally if a year had been going well, I would have not applied for jobs. I would love to be in there. I was safe being there. Um, and in November of that year in 2020, the MSOE assistant coaching job opens up on the men's side. So, you know, kind of, I always talk about, it, it's a little bit of the perfect timing of, I wouldn't have normally applied for that job had it not been COVID. So as much as COVID killed us and was really tough for me, uh, it allowed me to apply for a job that I normal normally wouldn't have. And uh, ended up getting a great opportunity with Graham Johnson there as their head coach. And he's a guy who recruited me when I was in, in juniors to play for him. So had a relationship ahead of time and, um, you know, made that transition to the men's side. So, you know, it was definitely a blessing in disguise, the whole COVID thing. I think I, I ended up benefiting from it to some extent of being able to move up the ranks. But yeah, you're right. I mean, for us, it was a year of no real coaching and not getting games and kind of deciding, all right, is this really what I want to do? Or um, am I looking to go do something else and just ended up finding the right fit at the right time? Awesome. So you're in your second year now as head coach at, at, at Marion. How did you get that job? Um, You know, it was funny. Like there, I think when I, when I was applying for jobs and kind of figuring out what I loved, I loved being at MSOE uh, Milwaukee school of engineering down there with Graham. I loved being an assistant could have stayed there for a long time. Um, he was a big advocate for 
his, his job as a head coach was to move me on. He's like, I need to move you on to something bigger and better. He saw my potential, believed in me um, and prepared me for what was next. And so, you know, after the first year, I decided to come back for a second. After the second year, we had had some success there. I had some success as a recruiter um, and started getting some more opportunities. So at that point, kind of trying to find the right fit. And as I was looking for D3 head coaching jobs, I really wanted to make sure that I was applying for a job that I actually believed in and not just a random job, right? I think a lot of people want to get head coaching on their resume and they'll apply for any job that I took a different approach. I said, if I want to go for a head coaching job, I really want to apply for to a school I believe in, a program I believe in, and something that I can build into some success. Um, and Marion was a team that I was very familiar with. They played in our conference when I was at St. Norbert. I coached against them when I was at MSOE uh, and really saw the potential that the school had for success. And I kind of assumed I wasn't going to get it. I was a young guy. I was a super young candidate, didn't have a ton of experience, but in my mind, it was apply for the job, do as well as you can. If you don't get it now, at least you'll be on the radar in the future for the next time it opens up. Uh, and maybe you can reapply and have an advantage on it. And, you know, I had, I had actually had not expected to get the job and was fortunate that I was the, what they were looking for. They wanted a young coach. They wanted someone to kind of rebuild it, revamp it a little bit. And so, um, you know, applied for it at the right time. And it ended up being a huge blessing because I, I love Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. I love where I'm at. And uh, the school has been a great success so far. So just um, off the beaten track. So how long did the process take? I mean, uh, <laughs> was there multiple, multiple rounds of, of interviews? Uh, what was uh just to it, get an insight, because we do have a lot of listeners that are looking to get into coaching. Some are associates looking to get head positions. It, uh, oh, it was, it was stressful. Uh, there was, there was a lot of sweating through some dress shirts on a couple interviews. So, you know, we started off with a phone call with the athletic director. Um, then I had a zoom interview with the hiring committee. Then I had a second zoom interview with the hiring committee, had a zoom with the players. Um, they did a little interview with the athletic director and the players, then I did an in-person one. Then I did a final phone call after that. So, I mean, it was it was weeks. I applied, didn't hear back for weeks. They, their search process was extensive. They had, you know, an, a, a multitude of candidates and trying to find their right amount. And they kind of shrunk it down to 20, I think, for the phone call initially. Then it was, I think, 15 for the first Zoom, 10 for the second Zoom, um, five for the co-players meetings and then three in-person candidates. So it was a, it was a process and there was a lot of, a lot of stress trying to decide what was going on and, you know, waiting every time the phone rings, wondering if it's good news or bad news. And, um, you know, I think that was, it was a stressful aspect of, you know, trying to, I think a lot of times with coaches, if you don't hear back the day of, you think something's wrong and being on the other side of it now, having hired other, you know, staff members at our school and other coaches, it's, it's a process. Like I think schools do a great job of making sure they find the right candidate and don't rush it. But from the candidate's perspective, it's uh, it's pretty stressful. Yeah. So obviously you jumped into being a head coach pretty quickly. It doesn't matter what level it's at just those few years that you weren't a head coach and just starting off as an assistant. What were some of your early coaching experiences that basically helped change your coaching style into being the head coach you are now? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it was super fortunate to have the mentors I did that were head coaches. Um, you know, AJ Aiken was great. He gave me a lot of stuff as a first year coach. I handled all of the recruiting. Um, I handled the whole D zone. I handled penalty kill, ran the defense on the bench. It was, you know, it, it was a lot that he had thrown at me from the hockey side that prepared me for that aspect. Um, then when I went to MSOE, 
as an assistant, you know, Graham sat down with me and asked me kind of what my three, five, 10 year plan was. And as soon as I said I had head coaching aspirations, he had me do some of the other stuff with him. We were looking at budgets together. We were handling travel together. I was taking, um, you know, a good amount of the road trip responsibilities, helping with equipment orders, kind of seeing some of the behind the scenes stuff of, you know, when I get to that job, he always said he wanted to make sure that whenever I got my next job that I was prepared for it. Um, so I think I was, again, very spoiled with having two coaches that leaned on me. You know, I wasn't just a guy running and grabbing coffee and pushing pucks in the corner, but had two mentors that really helped me um, develop my coaching philosophy, understand what I'm about with that. Um, and then I think I have a unique perspective with my dad. You know, my dad was a Hall of Fame college football coach. So I got to grow up in a household where I saw what it was like to be a college head coach. I saw what it was like to be successful as a college head coach um, and definitely got a little bit of a peek behind the curtains with what that looked like from him. So growing up, I think I was um, spoiled in the sense that I was a little more prepared for the job at a younger age than I might have been had I grown up in different circumstances. So let's talk current team here. Uh, again, second year head coach. Uh, you got a young team. I think you've got about 11 or 12 freshmen. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Yep. What, are you, what are you doing to uh, build and compete in the conference that you're in? A conference that, like you said, you know very well. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, last year was super, super crazy with how late I got the job. Um, I didn't get to do any recruiting. By the time I got the job, team was set. This is what we're rolling with. Um and we had a great group. I was very fortunate to get a group of hungry players that wanted to see a change. They wanted higher expectations placed on them. They wanted to play at a higher level. Um, and it took us some time. You know, we started year one, three and eight going into Christmas and, you know, kind of saying, what the heck am I doing here? Am I doing anything right? And fortunately stuck with the process and ended up going 10, two and two down the stretch and making playoffs uh, that first year. So saw the the level of compete that we had. I think we saw what we had here as a school with the talent level uh, and was fortunate in a transfer portal world that we had no kids transfer. Um, all those kids that I didn't recruit stayed with me. They all believed in what, you know, Riley or my assistant and I are building. And we had all 19 returning players come back to the team for this year, but that still left us with needing a bigger roster. Um, and we did believe in that we needed to get a little better uh, as a team. One of the big ones we talked about was our speed. Uh, we play on an Olympic sheet here at Marion. So, you know, we recruit speed. We need guys that can move. Uh, we went and got a lot of fast forwards and some some defensemen that can move pucks and play as fast as well. Um, so I think for us, we just want to build level of compete. You know, I talk to guys. There's a lot of things as a coach that I can teach kids. Um, there's a lot of things that I can't. I can't teach kids how to be competitive. Um, I can't teach kids by the time they're 21 how to change their stride. So we need guys that are strong skaters. And then obviously we can build on their IQ, but I need kids that can think the game. So those are the three things that we really look for as we're recruiting is, do they have that IQ? Do they have that compete? And then can they be strong skaters on the ice as well? So, you know, that's where we kind of started and um, definitely a young group. And there's going to be some growing pains throughout this year, but we, we love the group we brought in. We love the group that stayed with us from the previous coaching staff and uh, definitely like our locker room right now. So that was going to be one of my questions too. Leading up was the uh, transfer portal now, and I'm sure the D1 is much probably much more active. They've got a lot of money being thrown around, but uh, you know, how would you deal with that, or how did you make sure that kids weren't being enticed and going to other schools? Because you know, I always thought once you chose a university, you went and stayed there. Now it's like you you can go anywhere, anytime. It's it's strange to me. It's almost like uh, much more competitive for coaches and recruiters to keep their team together. So. 
do you are do, how did you keep them all there and do you have any strategies in the future that you know you need to use to keep them yeah i mean i think dude, i completely agree with you i think for us it you know growing up even when i did transfer wasn't even an option in my head it was an option but it wasn't something i ever thought of when i was choosing the college route Right. The school I chose my freshman year was the school I was going to be at for four years, whether I was playing, whether I was struggling, that was where I was going. That's how my, you know, my dad coached his programs. That's just what we did. Um, so I think for me as a coach, it is an adjustment now of, especially with a larger roster of trying to keep guys engaged of like, Hey, like we have plans for you here. The thing that I think made us successful last year was we are extremely transparent with our players as a coaching staff. Um, our players never feel like they're lied to. If we, we, we always tell them like, you might not like what you're going to hear from us, but you're always going to hear the truth. So, you know, we're not calling when we're recruiting, I'm not calling every recruit saying, Hey, you're going to start power play. I guarantee you 30 games. Cause I think that's when kids transfer is when they feel like they can't trust their coaches. Um, and I think that's where a lot of coaches get in trouble where they sell everything off the start to get the kids there. But then the kids realize that they're not telling them the truth for those four years while they're part of that program. So for us, we take a lot of pride as a coaching staff of, you know, we're always honest with our guys during the recruiting process. We don't guarantee anything outside of an opportunity. We tell every kid, you know, when we bring you in, you have the opportunity to do this. There's power play opportunity. There's opportunity to be in the lineup, but everything has to be earned. Um, and I think so that that's obviously our goal. I'm sure there will be transfers throughout my coaching career and guys leaving, but um, I think at least from last year's kids wanting to stay, I think they loved that compared to what they had experienced prior where they knew where they stood with us. They knew that we were going to give everyone a fair shake and, um, and that they always knew that they could trust us and to be honest with them, even if they might not like the answer, it's, uh, it's at least going to be truthful with them and they don't have to guess at whether we're telling them the truth or playing mind games. So, you know, I think from our recruiting standpoint, you know, I have no problem looking in the transfer portal. I think it's interesting to look at. The only thing I say is I love kids that I can mold for four years. You know, the systems that we run, the things that we do, we take a lot of pride in, you know, we tell our guys, we treat our program like it's a division one program. We treat our athletes like they're division one athletes. We're just, we happen to be a division one team that plays division three hockey. So with that, there's a lot that goes into it in terms of the systems, in terms of the culture. So bringing in freshmen that we can have for four years is obviously ideal. Um, but we have no problem if there's a kid that, you know, didn't get a fair shake here or decides that he thinks we're a good fit. We'll look in the transfer portal. You know, we brought in one this past year um, kid that was a, it was an interesting story. He actually played for our assistant the year prior. Um, and then our assistant came to us, coached last year, Riley Orr. And then this kid didn't love his experience because Riley had been the one that recruited him. He wanted to come. Um, so that's a little bit of a different, right? He's not leaving because he's mad at the coach. He's not leaving because he's trying to, you know, thinks he's too good to leave his program to come to ours, but a kid that actually came for a reason. So we like the transfers. Uh, we just want to make sure they're coming for the right reasons and not, you know, bringing in an attitude of why well, I'm better than everyone else, or, you know, I'm division one, so I should be the best player on your team. You know, everyone has to earn everything they get at our program. So talk to us a little bit about your recruiting uh, style or, or even methods that work for you. And I should say your coaching staff, because I'm sure uh, your staff is, you know, road warriors traveling all over and doing doing their job. But talk to us a little bit about, I don't know if style or method is the right um, word, but I think you know what we're asking. Yeah, I mean, we talk about it a, a little bit of like a philosophy kind of. Um, you know, again, when we're when we're talking to our recruits, you know, like I said, we are big on transparency and honesty with the recruits. We tell kids exactly what we like from them. 
Um, we tell them why we like them. I think a lot of recruiting nowadays is a little wishy-washy. I think a lot of recruits call or coaches call 150 kids and say the same thing. You know, for us, we try really hard to make sure we're making specific contact with kids. If there's a kid we love, you know, we're going to watch his game and we're going to talk through things we saw in his game. Like, Hey, I love the block shot you had in the second period. Hey, good stick work on that play in the D zone because we want kids to know we actually want them. Um, that we're not just, you know, throwing darts at a dartboard and seeing what sticks from a recruiting standpoint. And you talk about road warrior, my assistant's up in Saskatchewan right now, driving up to go watch the showcase. So he, uh, he's the hardest working assistant coach in college hockey by far. And he's always on the road. And, um, you know, we, we constantly want to build those relationships. Our biggest thing that we do with recruiting is the relationship piece. You know, we want players to trust us, to know us, um, and believe in what we're trying to sell as a program. So, you know, for us, the relationship piece is massive, um, you know, and then that stems into what we're trying to build when they get here. So like you said, I think it's the coaching and the recruiting go hand in hand where we're not just, you know, feeding them this relationship and recruiting and then they show up to campus. We don't care about them. Uh, we want to have that through for all four years through the process where we want kids that are excited to be part of it with us, with the program, with everything about Marion. Um, and we talk a lot with our guys about like, we're not worried about kids finding greener grass somewhere else. Cause we water our lawn. Like we take care we believe in what we're doing. We're building everything we can here from the ground up of what we believe in at Marion. So when like we don't deadline kids and give them 24 hours and try to trick kids into coming to us because we believe we're the right fit at the end of the day. Um, and if a kid chooses somewhere else, then we weren't the right fit for him. We don't take it personally and um, just try to find the kids that are the right fit for our culture. What's, what's the biggest challenge for you uh, in recruiting? I think the biggest one for us is as a new staff trying to sell the new culture. You know, we, we, we haven't had enough time here to build exactly what we've been trying to do. Um, and so trying to tell kids of almost the promise of the future of the, what could be, uh, when you don't have the pedigree that you have as a top tiered program, you know, at, at St. Norbert, it was really easy for Tim Coughlin to come recruit me. He could just wear four national championship rings and say, come win one. Um, you know, I don't have that opportunity here. I'm a new coach, just starting over. Um, so for us, I think the biggest challenge is trying to convince kids of what we're building and believing in that process and not wanting to take the easy road at somewhere else where they can be successful right away. Um, and for us being able to say like, Hey, like we're building in the right direction. Here's the steps we've been taking. Look how much better we did last year's second half, but not being able to actually have a lot of data on the map of what our program is. I could be wrong. Um, just looking at, at, at your roster, it's like 75% Canadian. Yep. Uh, is, is that by design coach or is that just where the, you know, the, the pieces fell? Uh, a little bit of both. You know, my assistant is from Saskatchewan. I played in Canada, went to high school up there. So I think a lot of our connections just naturally were in Canada. Um, so it wasn't like we were saying, Hey, we have to go to Canada even, you know, two of the Americans we got from last year's class, the Carlson twins played in Canada. So they were Americans, but that just happened to be the league we saw them in. Um, that being said, we're very fortunate at Marion University. We have a great international scholarship package. Um, so it ends up being a much more reasonable American option for a lot of the Canadians than other schools which gives us an advantage in the recruiting pool with those guys. So, you know, I would be fine. Like I always say, I'll find the best player wherever they're at. Um, I, I think that I'm not sitting here going, I have to go get Canadians or I have to win the NA for us. We're going to find the best players wherever they are. We've just been fortunate in the past to have a lot of success North of the border. Obviously you have roles that need to be filled on the team. 
So when you're looking at potential recruits, obviously you want to have um, a, a player that checks all the boxes, but how important to you or not important to you is maybe a player that checks 80% of the boxes, but shows that uh, competitiveness. And like you talked about that willingness, that hard work ethic that can't be taught. Does that mean anything or are there players so good now that everybody has to check all the boxes? Yeah. I mean, I, for me, and I'm sure every coach is a little different, but I mean, I, we always talk about the the gap between division one and division three hockey is so much closer than it used to be that there, there are a lot of kids that play D three hockey that they are only missing one aspect of their game. They might be a great goal scorer. They might be a great skater. Maybe they don't handle the puck quite well enough at the D one level, but they're still an amazing player. So for us, like you said, with the 80%, like, there are a lot of kids that have those 80% skills that I'm hundred percent going to go after if they have the competitive edge. Um, I can teach kids how to shoot better. I can coach players on how to understand the D zone structure better. I can't coach competitiveness. So we 100% are always, that's the first box we're looking at. That's the first thing we're looking for from kids. Um, and we do a really good job. I think again, of getting in person, seeing kids and building those relationships where we can see what type of people they are. I, I am not a fan of the elite prospects recruiting. Um, you know, I don't care how many goals you scored. We have a defenseman on our team right now, Jordan Edwards, who only had one goal last year, his whole junior career. He's got two goals for us in his last two games. Um, so, I mean, we can, we, there's things that we taught him as he got here of how to be more effective from the blue line shooting. And he has two goals. So if I had gone on elite prospects and looked and said, well, he only has seven points, he's not gonna be able to play at our level we would have missed out on a phenomenal hockey player. And he's a guy that is the most competitive kid in our room. He's in the weight room every day. He comes and watches extra film. And that's the stuff when we were recruiting him that we saw where now we're able to build on those skills. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's times where you're obviously going to look for the high end skill guys, but I'll take competitiveness 10 times out of 10 in that work ethic over the other things. Cause that means they're going to be willing to develop those skills that maybe they are lacking. Is that elite prospect thing, like, for real? Do coaches do that? Or do you know coaches that, like, are, like, they, they do that? Yeah, I mean, I think, obviously, to some extent, you have to start there, right? When you get a kid's name, you have to look them up. But I think there are players that get crossed off because they don't have the points. Um, mm -hmm. They don't have the pedigree on paper, so then they don't even get a look. Because you do have to slim your herd at some point. Um, right. You know, you can't watch every league. You can't watch every kid. But I think there are a lot of coaches out there who they start from there and then you know kids think that too right whether coaches do it or not kids think that everyone looks at elite prospects so kids are thinking well this kid had 50 points i only had 30 why why are they talking to me and not him well we actually do our job as coaches we notice that you know the little things behind the game um of what we're looking for we're looking for specific things like you talked about where you know we don't need 20 forwards that all think they're the first line power play guy that have to sit in the OV spot and hit one timers. We're not going to be a very good team. If we have 20 of those also not going to be a very good team. If we only have 20 guys that can't score a goal. So, you know, we, we constantly are trying to find the right fits for our team and look beyond just how they look on paper. So I don't know about you, dad. My last question for you today, Clay is normally like to ask this, not your playing career, because I'm sure one of those championships are huge, but just since the beginning of you, um, in your coaching career, what has been the best moment in your coaching career so far? Not even just winning a game. Is there just something that was like, yeah, this is why I love doing this? Yeah, I mean, I think um, 
you know, there's some special ones. Last year when we got to knock off Adrian at their place, that was huge for the program aspect. It was the first win against number one team in history of the school. It was a lot of work going into fruition. Uh, selfishly, it was really fun to beat St. Norbert. Uh, really fun <laughs> to shake my old head coach's hand and get to, you know, one-up him once, which was fun. But, you know, for me, I think the moments that I remember the most, you talk about like the coaching thing, aren't the big moments. They aren't the games. Um, they're the, they're the individual meetings. They're watching the kid that thinks he's too good to come watch video, signing up for that individual video session on a Tuesday to come watch his game and seeing it click in his head. You know, we talked even last night during our game, like our fourth line had two goals. Um, and they were guys that all three of them came in and watched film last week. All three of them are going to extra ice sessions. So, you know, it's those little victories as a coach of getting to see the success the kids have that put in the work the right way. Um, you know, so I think that's pretty special for me that is the day to day, you know, building the relationships with the guys that means more than the wins than the losses, you know, getting to see, you know, our Brady pup, one of our seniors from last year just took a job in the AJ with Okotoks Oilers, um, and getting to be a reference for him and having them call me on that was super awesome to see him becoming the adult that we talk about, you know, having two of our guys playing pro right now, getting to call coaches to get them out. Um, one of them over in France and one of them in the SP, like those are the moments that are awesome as a coach to see them beyond college, getting the calls from them, you know, texts after a win, um, things like that, that are, the, that are the most rewarding as a coach, I think. Cause like we said, we coach college for the relationships. Um, you know, we don't trade, we're not cutting guys like coaching college for the relationships is the best part of the job. So anytime I get to see those relationships blossom and go into fruition are uh, the best moments for me. I got two more questions, coach. One is more like a, like a coaching interview question. Maybe he does <laughs> so on the concept, you'll understand the concept, but putting it in a hypothetical would be difficult. So the concept is as a head coach dealing with a player, the player is not doing what you need them to do. So you're correcting them. You're making the fixes. How long, and this is where the hypothetical could be anything, uh, but how long do you give that player before you have to say, look, we got to move on. I mean, we've given you this, we've worked with you, we've given you opportunities. It's just not working out. So at least the concept of it, because I know hypotheticals would be. For sure. I mean, I think for us, a lot of it goes into the attitude the players portraying through that. Um, right. You know, is it a kid that's actively trying, like coming in extra, doing all the little things and just it isn't clicking? Or is it a kid that you know, the attitude isn't great and we're telling him things, but he's saying, you know, I know better, this isn't working and he's not putting in the work ethic behind it because the timeline changes drastically based on those two things. Yeah. If we have a kid that's constantly working, that's just struggling to grasp that concept, but is working his tail off and doing everything the right way, they're going to have a longer leash. You know, we talk about credit in the bank, like those kids earn that credit in the bank, the, the harder they're working. So they build up a lot more credit and equity in our program if we see that they're doing the things right, whether it's actually, you know, coming to fruition on the ice and they're reaping the benefits of it or not, if they're working their tails off, we're going to give them that rope to give them time to build it. Uh, if a kid is just, you know, not grasping it and not willing to do the extra stuff, not willing to come watch film, any of those things, then that leash is going to be shorter. Uh, and so I, I think for us, like we always tell guys, like we, we want them to be better. I think that's things that kids don't understand sometimes. Like, when we're hard on kids because they're making mistakes, we're a better program when our kids are getting it. So we're never wanting them to just shut it off and say, well, I can't do it. We constantly want our kids to develop and grow because that 
selfishly makes us a better program. Um, so I think as long as kids are working towards it and trying to overcome that, that leash is going to be longer. Last thing uh, for me, coach is, and you've already talked about, it, I just want to highlight it is the uh, networking, particularly in the hockey world. Now in the coaching world as fans, Andrew and I, you know, doing this three years, having on a lot of players, a lot of coaches, um, we noticed that the hockey world is really small and everybody's sort of interconnected with everybody else. So obviously it's important to network. You've already given some examples, but uh, talk a little bit about that networking, even talking with other coaches, it seems to be in the hockey world, something that happens very frequently. I mean, it's, it's my favorite part of the job. Um, you know, the brotherhood aspect of it, you know, obviously in conference is a little different. We might not all be bouncing ideas off of each other for playing each other, but I mean, you would be surprised how many zoom and phone interviews I have with other coaches. You know, last year we were struggling on the penalty kill. Nick Oliver, who coaches at Wisconsin is a good friend of mine. He was at Sioux, he was at uh, Sioux Falls last year in the USHL. I texted him at 8 a.m. one day and said, hey, my PK stinks. I could use some help. And at 8.15, I got a FaceTime from him and we walked through some stuff. Um, one of my friends that coaches up in Manitoba in the MJHL came to me and said, hey, I could use some help on some face-off plays. We had a Zoom and went through six of our face-off plays that they're using now. So that networking piece is the best part of the job. You know, we all miss the locker room as coaches. As soon as you're done playing, you miss that fraternity of brotherhood, of being in the locker room, of having guys you're going to battle with. So I think as coaches, we love getting to bounce ideas off of each other. Um, you know, I, a lot of my relationships that I've built from the networking standpoint is from being on the road recruiting. Um, we're all watching the same kids. So when I'm at the rink, I'm not standing in the corner by myself thinking I have to hide my notes. We're all recruiting the same kids. Um, so I don't try to keep secrets from other teams. If I'm the only one talking to a kid, I'm probably doing a bad job evaluating. Um, so I was always big on when I saw another coach of the game, walk over, introduce myself and build that connection with them. And, um, and then they just start to naturally blossom. They start to naturally grow where you're able to, you know, one time it's a handshake. Next time you see each other, you ask how the season's going. And then the next thing you know, you blink and a year later, you're calling them for uh, penalty kill advice. So, you know, I think that networking piece is huge, but it's also natural for all of us too. We, you know, if you're a coach, you're a pretty social being to begin with. And um, you know, you want to be, outgoing and extroverted. So I think that it's natural for us to always want to kind of come together on those things. Coach, I think that's a great way to, to end yeah. this. We can't thank you enough, man. It's been a great uh, uh, time getting to know you and talk to you about uh, the Marion hockey program. We'll say goodbye off air, but on air, we can't thank you enough. We we're going to follow you and uh, we look forward to seeing what's in store for you and your team. Yeah. Appreciate you guys taking the time. This was awesome. Yeah, man. Thank you. Great guy, Andrew. Yeah, good interview too. Always. Uh, again, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Andrew. No, I was just saying insightful. On. Yeah. Uh, Marion, mm -hmm. not to be confused with Marion University in, in Indiana. Yeah. This is in Wisconsin. Yeah. So mm -hmm. uh, uh, just for so people. So if you are looking to play at this program, <laughs> make sure you do apply to the right one because he said that that happens often off air. I don't think that was on air, but he says that that happens often. Yeah, because there's a lot of Marion University. So we want to make sure we're getting the right. Yeah. Marion. Yes. Um, and I think people in the hockey world know which one you're talking about. Right. Anyway, great guy. Speaks very well. Uh, I think he's only like 29, 30 years old. I could be wrong. Yeah. He's a young guy. So really young, doing his thing. Dad was a, a great coach on the football scene. Um, it'll be interesting to follow his career as yeah. well. And 
uh, great hockey journey stories. So that's what we're all about. So we thank everybody for tuning in. We've got a lot more guests coming up and uh, follow us. Usually we're releasing one every week now, usually on Friday. So uh, subscribe to us on any of the podcast apps. I think we're on all of them, right, Andrew? All of them. Yep. Check us out. And again, continue to check us out. And we'll have on, uh, again, this is one of those episodes where we're recording, you know, a week prior. So so by the time it's released, um, but we are going to be having on, like I said, Dave Capuano again, yep. one of our, our good friends. And uh, we'll be having on other guests right now. A lot of people are busy. We've hit up quite, a, I've hit up quite a few people yep. and a lot of them are like, yeah, just weird time right now. We're trying to book it. And then like for us, if it doesn't work, it doesn't. So yep. um, I can't even tell you who's coming on because it's just like randomly some 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 people are working. So yeah, we we have a it's bunch of data. Right We're just trying to line up schedules. It's, it's yep. pretty hard to line up schedules. Also, um, congratulations to us. Thank you to you the listeners uh in the month of october we looked at some data and it was uh all-time high we had just over thirty thousand yeah. listens to our podcast from all over and and our listeners know if you're a new listener uh welcome uh but we have listeners and guests from all literally all over the world yeah so uh, uh check out some of our um older episodes as well and the hockey journeys of those players, coaches, and GMs. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you again always for the support and uh, have a wonderful day.